Watching the news lately? That's been pretty interesting. Always something happened in the new, new news. Mm-hmm. So you're going to go for a spin? Hey, hey, let's do it. Garbage time. What it's worth. I'm recording this prone. I feel like I'm gonna vomit. I hope I don't vomit. I don't think I'm gonna vomit. I don't really feel like I'm gonna vomit, but if I move around too much, I'll vomit. But anyway, this isn't why I'm here. This is just why I'm. If I sound queasier than usual, or more prone than usual, prone. Laying more laying down. Hey, lay downy, lay downy. I don't even know which one it is. I never knew that one. could figure that one out. Lie down or lay down. I know it's a lay down Sally. And lay lady lay. And uh... Lay lay uh... Ole ole. Ole ole ole. Feeling. And uh... Layla. They're uh... Eric Clapton song. My mom likes Eric Clapton. I don't know. I guess the guy gets a bad rap. But uh, he sucks. <laughs> no, that's not that's not true. I mean, he's a good guitar player. But I don't like the, uh, the stuff he's playing. There's a great story in this book. Patty, uh... I want to say Patty Davis, but that was wrong. Craig's wife, right? Patty, uh, she was Patty Harrison. She was she married George Harrison. I can't remember her uh, maiden name. She was the inspiration for uh, something. And then Eric Clapton fell in love with her. And uh, there was some story. I don't know if I have the timeline right. At some point, Eric Clapton. I guess they were neighbors. They hung out all the time. George Harrison and Eric Clapton were best friends. At some point, Eric Clapton comes over and sort of, you know, tells her that he's in love with her, even though she's Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Beetle George. And Clapton says, well, you have a choice. You either leave your husband, George Harrison, for me, or I do this. And he pulled a bag of heroin out of his pocket. And she said, I, I have to be with my husband. And he left and turned into a junkie. And then later, yeah, this is where I made the timeline off. I don't know which came first, but maybe, yeah, I think it was later. Maybe he cleaned up his act and uh, 
I could be making up this that detail. Could be making all this up. This could be a figment of my imagination. I could be a figment of your imagination. You could be a figment of uh Nope, you're not. You're nobody's figment. Anyway, he cleans up, let's say, in my version of reality and goes back to George Harrison's mansion, the one from uh, that you can see him walking around, I think, in the gatefold of all things must pass or something like that. Gatefold of all things must pass. I've never run the LP of that. I had a, a double CD, maybe. I don't know, a record player. I don't know, a CD player. I don't know, a cassette player. Just so you know, in case you want to buy me something free for my birthday. Uh, so Clapton shows up at the estate. And says, okay, Patty, yeah, I've cleaned up my act. Go leave with me. And George Harrison says, no way, mate. She's me wife. And Eric Clapton says, I will duel you for her. And George Harrison knows instinctively what he means. And the two of them face off and have a guitar duel. And Eric Clapton wins. And Patty leaves with Eric Clapton. I don't know if she left with him immediately. But eventually she left and went with Eric Clapton. And uh, he wrote Wonderful Tonight about her. And Layla. And I shot the sheriff. And the one about the... No, I'm not going to make that joke. That's, that's cruel. In this day and age, you can't make uh, can't make those Eric Clapton jokes. And there's enough been made at his expense. And, you know, I mean, he plays cheesy music. But he came from a hard scrapple background. And from what I know of him, I don't know that he's like a bad guy. He's just a cheese ball. But there's worse crimes than being a cheese ball. Anyway, that wasn't even, uh, again, not not what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss uh, garbage time. So garbage time tells a story. Well, since I'm starting, why don't I go back? This is the one thing I, like, entered into a contest. A friend of mine passed along some invitation to enter, you know. It was for looking for, like, diverse voices. But I had written this thing, and it doesn't really get into it, it you know, very much in the in the pilot. But it was going to be about... It was going to be a huge uh, racial component. Something that bubbles under the surface. It's not... Well, it's about the it's about the NBA. So when was this thing written? 2014, maybe? That recent? It feels like it was a million years ago. <clears throat> but yeah, it's the son of this... Trump-like guy who leaves his first wife before he makes it big and the son from the first wife he just sort of you know cuts them off completely and makes it you know becomes a billionaire and just leaves them out he names his next son from the next marriage gives him the same name they're both like Drake Jr. Drake's Marcuthian is the guy is this Trump guy and our Drake Jr. changes his name to Jake <clears throat> takes his mother's last name because he just despises his father, and he's like a socialist, and he works at a bank. And, well, I'll read it to you. Okay, so Garbage Time Pilot by me. Super, May 1st. Interior, Sun Shower Savings Bank, Own Office, Day. Slightly rundown looking bank in a strip mall in Phoenix, Arizona. Jake Smith, 43, scruffy, beaten down by life but maintaining a youthful sense of humor, sits at his desk in one of the bank's loan offices. Before him are Pablo and Poseta, a humble Mexican American couple. 
and their respectfully silent girl child, boy teenager, and baby. Jake looks over some paperwork. He addresses the couple in an unprofessionally familiar tone. Jake, you need $24,000? Pablo, yes, to renovate our store, make it look really clean, put in some new coolers so we can start selling produce. Jake, oh cool. Pablo, yeah man, you know, they're building a big green pantry store on the other side of Indian School Road, so we gotta try to keep up. Jake, Jesus, yeah, with all these mega chains, it's amazing businesses like yours still exist. They just, they don't even have to crush you, you know? You just kind of wither away in their shadow. Pablo, well, maybe it's not that bad. We're doing okay. Jake, no, it's that bad. And it's only getting worse. But, uh, sorry, what are your hours? Pablo, the store? Uh, five to midnight, every day. Jake, 5 a.m.? Pablo, of course. Jake, uh, how many employees? Pablo, employees, just me and Poseta all day, every day. Pablo indicates Poseta, who smiles shyly. Pablo continued. The kids come in and help sometimes, a little. Poseta and the children laugh shyly. Jake is charmed by the whole family. Jake, how's your credit? Pablo roots through some papers and finally hands a couple sheets to Jake, who looks them over for a bit, his expression increasingly unhappy. Jake, God, what happened? Pablo, what do you mean? Jake, I mean, what happened last year that your credit rating just plummeted like that? Pablo, oh, our daughter went off to college. Jake, confused, her? Jake points to the child. Pablo, no, we've got a 19-year-old. Amia. Jake, so what happened? Was there a student loan problem or something? Because I might be able to help you figure some of that out. Poseta, sad and ashamed. No, she's on a full scholarship to Pomona in California. She was always a straight-A student, always the smartest one in the family. We gave her a credit card for emergencies. And she decided it was an emergency that she didn't have the same clothes and the same computer and the same who-knows-what-all as her fancy new college friends. Pablo comforts Poseta. Jake continues to look through the papers, dismayed. Jake, I'm, I'm sorry. Even if I were the manager, I couldn't get you approval. There's just... Beat. The baby begins to wail. Cut to... Interior bank, back office day. We follow Jake as he walks toward the break room. He's in a daze. Interior break room. Darla, mid-twenties, an attractive, dark-haired co-worker, is the only person in there when he enters. Jake's about to have a tantrum, but sees her and manages to stop himself. Darla, are you okay? Jake's embarrassed, but still agitated. Jake, yeah, I'm sorry. Just, oh my god, leave this place before it steals your soul. Darla, what's wrong? Jake, nothing. Just not sure how much more ruining people's lives I can handle. Darla, what, what happened? Whose life did you ruin? Jake, I don't know. A family. Credit cards. They pound people with advertising, trick them into overextending themselves, hike up their interest when they can't pay their bills. How the hell is this legal? Darla, I don't... I don't really know you that well, so I apologize if I'm a little out of line, but... Why do you work in a bank? Jake because I got tired of working in a pet store? A slightly awkward silence as he really looks at her for the first time and finally sees how pretty she is. There's a brief spark as their eyes meet. Her eyes are gray. That seems like an important detail, sorry. 
guess I get horny when I write sometimes. I don't know. What can I say? Awkward beat. <laughs> Jake, what did you do before this? Darla, I worked at another bank in Boise, where I'm from. Jake, Boise, huh? A real Idaho peach? I, uh, I can't call you a potato. She laughs a little. That's how I, the only way I can get her to laugh is if I write. The, Jake, how, what is Boise like? Darla, it's nice. Beat. Jake, it's Darla, right? Darla, yup, and you're Jake. Jake, hey. Darla, hey. Jake, what made you want to move to Phoenix? Darla, my boyfriend got a job here. Jake, oh, what does he do? Darla, he's a pro skater. Dill Duffy? He's got a show on MTV, too. He grew up here. He's got a ranch outside Paradise Valley. Jake, oh. Beat. Darla, maybe you should try to find a different job. Jake, oh my god, do you know how many dicks I'd have sucked to get myself into this nightmare? Darla, I don't know. Two? Jake, no, metaphorically a, a lot. Ugh, and as awful as it is, as much as being here makes me hate myself, and as low up the ladder as I can ever imagine myself advancing... I can't give this up. Not at my age. Darla, oh please, at your age. She sizes him up. Darla, how old are you? Jake, 43. Older than she'd realized. Darla, oh, well, you don't look 43 anyway. Jake, yeah, what do I look, 42? Darla, I would have said 41 or 42. The break room door opens. Mr. Heems, the bank manager, enters. Mr. Heems, why did you leave the Morales' in the loan office? Jake, well, Mr. Heems, how long have you been down here? Jake, I guess two minutes? Mr. Heems, Debbie said she saw you walk out at 2.52, and it's checks his watch. 2.58 now. Jake, are they still there, the Morales's? Mr. Heems, no, I sent them home. Jake, oh, good? Mr. Heems, oh, please get it together, Jake. Jake, yes, sir, I'm sorry, I will. Beat. Mr. Heems claps officiously. Mr. Heems. Good, okay, so go. At least finish the GD paperwork. Jake leaves. Um. One last little bit will end. Cut to exterior bank parking lot evening. It's the end of the workday. Jake defiantly pulls off his tie as he walks to his car, slowing his pace momentarily to impede the progress of a slick-looking customer in a luxury car. Slick-looking customer scowls, which puts a little spring in Jake's step. Jake sees Darla a couple rows away. He waves his arms and yells. He waves his he waves his arms and yells. Jake, good night. Darla spots him, smiles, and shouts back. Darla, see you tomorrow. Jake, yes. And then cut to interior the bar night. We'll cut to that one next time on Love Boat.
pardon me, landed on Moon People. Uh, what is the exact title of this project? Project. Attack of the Moon People from Planet Outer Space. Uh, yeah, this was an idea I had, and, I'd, and uh, I wrote this treatment. I was visiting my parents, and then I had like a crazy multi-front fight, and my parents were fighting with each other, and it was really unpleasant. So unpleasant that I managed to forget that I'd written the thing. And then stumbled upon it and was like, oh yeah, this isn't uh, all that bad. But uh, you're the first to learn of it, I think. Yeah, I've kind of lost steam thinking about that uh, fight. I guess it's all, I mean, everybody's still talking to each other. I remember at dinner, after things had already been tense. Oh yeah, I was working. And then they came home to their apartment and... uh uh, and I was engrossed in my work, and my father came in, and uh, was like, how's it going? And I was like, fine, just I'm working, leave me alone. And my mother came in, and it was fine, just I'm working, leave me alone. And there was some, like, uh, conference room or something that I could use in the apartment building. So I went and worked there, and I think that's where I wrote this thing. And then at dinner, I found out that my mother was, like, really mad that I stormed out but it was just that I wasn't, you know, it was like I was in the middle of a thought or whatever. And then it just turned into some other big fight. And at some point, you know, they're constantly on me for my uh, career choices. You know, they wanted me to be a doctor. Where are you always uh, sitting there trying to be a writer and making the funny things and trying to be a monkey in the circus? Why can't you be an endocrinologist like your cousin Partnu? They're very traditional types. Oh, so I'd said at this dinner something along the lines of like, you know, I'm trying to be an artist or something like that. And my father very sarcastically said, oh, yeah, really, Michelangelo or something like that. And then at some point he stormed out of the restaurant because my mother got me. It was just, I don't know. It's disgusting. And it's really, uh, this isn't why we're here. Maybe if this goes on long enough, it'll devolve into this. But for now, let's uh, let's keep it pure. The art, not the artist. Trust me, you know nobody likes me anyway. I'd much rather you like what I'm, what I've fucking wasted my life on writing, than on whether or not you like me. Because chances are I'm not gonna like you. So why do I care if you like me? Uh, I just want you to like what I do. I mean, you should like me because I'm, yeah. I'm delightful. I'm the fucking greatest. Everybody loves me. Everybody loves me. Okay. Attack of the Moon People from Planet Outer Space. By me. Who everybody loves. We see a modern American-looking spaceship, flag and NASA insignia the same, etc., landing scarily in a body of water by a desert kind of terrain. These are just notes, you know. They crash land a few miles off course. Maybe one or more of them dies? The astronauts look like slightly futuristic astronauts. They're really arrogant. They are Colonel Lons Robinson, serious, square-jawed, arrogant, in charge. Lieutenant Colonel Scaramanga, Tough chick, always ready and looking for a fight. First Lieutenant DeAngelis, the funny one. Got a real uneasy feeling about this place. 
He pretends to walk like the gravity is different and Scaramanga calls him an asshole. We see that he's just joking, but the gravity's really the same. They venture carefully through the rugged terrain, a scare or two, etc., until they finally arrive in what we eventually, after much teasing, turns out to be present-day Palm Springs at a house on a golf course, the home of retired Air Force General Bulldog McHenry, who was the man 20 years ago when our astronauts left on their interplanetary mission, but is now quite old. Through a terse interaction with McHenry, in parentheses, and his wife, nurse, wise-cracking slacker grandkid, we realize the astronauts are in fact aliens. Quote, from a planet your astronomers call Kepler-186f, but which we call Kepler-144f. But your suit, the flag, Scaramanga. What? What are you saying about our Zeldarian flag? We see that there are no stars, or many tiny stars or whatever, distinguishing their flag from ours, but only close up. Uh, Bulldog McHenry is surprised. Why is all this a surprise to you? We all originated out of the same matter. It's not like, you know, Zegalia 197 is populated by rock creatures and gas monsters. DeAngelis. Yeah, but Zygalians are about as smart as gas monsters. Scaramanga. That's racist. Robinson explaining. Zygalians have kind of a reputation for maybe not being the swiftest. I could have picked a better example, but... You know, we learned some planets' populations get along better than others. Our people live in harmony, perhaps not perfect harmony. We have different countries with different cultures and different values, the same as you, but we are united in our love for our planet, and indeed for the whole universe. But now there is a threat to the known universe, a planet of people slightly different from us that has unknowingly discovered some doomsday science. So now the Zeldarians, and of course the other inhabitants of Kepler-144f, are trying to assemble a confederation of known planets, all very similar to us, but with specific strengths and deficiencies, idiosyncrasies, etc., that no other planets people have. The way on your planet, you have countries less advanced than others, same with planets. Most are similar, but in some, the dominant civilizations put their effort in other directions. For instance, McMagidians can all do backflips. Alright, that's a lame-ass joke. But you get the idea. Robinson claims his people are the only ones able to communicate with this disaster-headed planet. That is their civilization's great ability to find and communicate with other planets. You Earthlings have something called... Heart. And something else called... Moxie. McHenry is sold, but he's too old. His ticker is too bad for him to be able to help. But he knows just the man for the mission. A reckless, vainglorious young pilot... Badge Cornwallis. That's a good place to stop. I mean, there are probably places before here would have been a good place to stop. I'm, I'm taking a nap. You know what? I didn't mean to make this thing a fucking showcase for my fucking music that nobody wants to fucking listen to. But this thing's run short, and there's a song that sort of fits here about sleep. It's got horrible lyrics. And I sing on it, so that's never a good thing. But hey, fuck you. Here, take it and love it. From 2005, it's the fucking Christ with sleep.
slash important. It's important. Important. And then uh, Instagram.com app slash importantstagram. I-M-P-O-R-T-A-N-T-S-T-A-G-R-A-M dot com. Thank you. This has been a production from your mother's ISS.